What am I doing? All right, there's gonna be rules on this trip. Number one, do exactly as I say all the time. Got it? Got it, Donut Lord. Would you stop with the Donut Lord? I have a name, it's Tom. I'm Sonic. 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 So you've been spying on us all for years. I mean, I wouldn't call it spying. We were all just hanging out, only I wasn't invited and no one knew I was there. I can't believe Crazy Carl was right all this time. Yeah, you should call him Super Observant Carl instead. Uh-huh. Oh my God, stop the car right now! What? what, what? The world's largest rubber band ball? We gotta see it! No, 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 this is not some fun family road trip, okay? The government wants to dissect you and arrest me. This is serious. You're right. It was lame. Gift shop was cool, though. I got you a mouse pad. When are we gonna get there? We will get there when we get there. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine. Welcoming a new guest and a fellow comic creator, and that is, and fellow podcaster, and that's Lindsay Little. Lindsay, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Um, I'm a little sleep deprived, but I can't complain otherwise. Uh, it's so nice to be here. Also, you have such a I feel powerful that. name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It is real. It's not a. It's not fake. It actually is. Um, it, it's it very is, good. Ooh. Perry Constantine. Yeah, yeah. That's per, amazing. Short per, per. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but anyway, welcome to the show, and I'm glad to have you on. And uh, before we get started talking about the movie, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Why don't you tell the guests a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, tell them about your podcast and your comics. Sure. Um, so I'm an illustrator, and my my primary passion is my comic Oni Girl. Um, I've had it for a few years now, but I recently um, had to go on hiatus. I'm trying to bring it back, and I'm trying to bring it back in full color. Um, so I have that going on, but you can go back and read uh, up to chapter four on the Webtoon Canvas. And uh, I have 6,000 subscribed readers. So that is uh, hopefully a good indicator of how many people like it. Maybe you'll like it too. I have a Kickstarter going on to uh, to sort of refurbish those old pages, color them, make them shiny and new. And Kickstarter has named it a project that they love. So that's somebody else that you can... Um, believe in the opinion of and maybe <laughs> give you further uh, reason to check out my comics. I also co-host a podcast called Stories to Dismember, uh, very similarly to this podcast where we review horror films, uh, except we do it in a more uh, silly fashion. <laughs> or honestly, the my co-hosts and I, all three of us, are very silly uh, but we do try to recap the film from beginning to end and then leave it with our final reviews. Um, actually, the three of us were wondering if you ever wanted to to do a crossover episode because there's some I, horror I movies, love superhero horror movies, movies yeah. out there. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Um, we have done a few here uh, uh, already, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more off mic, but we can def I think we could definitely find uh, something to work on together. Awesome. Um, <laughs> either this or we had also talked before because I'm bringing back my Japanese film podcast as well. So mm. we could also talk about that off mic a little bit more. Um, that's that's finally moving along. So that's um, we'll, I'll tell you guys more about that later. But Japan on film is going to be coming back, it looks like. So um, but anyway, let's talk a little bit more. 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's talk a little bit more about uh, Owning Girl. And um, what was kind of your inspiration for this? Because I, I read the first few episodes of um, mm. uh, Chapter One. And um, obviously, the the anime influence is is um, is obvious is clear, right? Mm. Um, so, what was kind of what were kind of some of the things that you were drawing on when you were creating this comic? Sure. Well, visually, um, I think visually, I was inspired by manga, of course, uh, as you observed. But I also grew up reading Archie comics and Sonic the Hedgehog comics, which is very relevant to our episode today. Mm-hmm. But um, from a writing standpoint, uh, even though it's a fantasy story involving monster students going to a school, learning how to assimilate the behavior and appearance of humans in order to survive in human society, the real root of it is based in uh, dealing with anxiety and trauma and overalls about the uh, journey to self-love. And I use monsters as an allegory for anybody who feels marginalized or as an other, which I think you will see a lot in any kind of media. Uh, and honestly, mm-hmm. like so many, so many good movies and stories involve uh, that idea. Like my favorite Disney movie is Beauty and the Beast, and the Beast is. Mm-hmm you know, he's an other. Uh, I grew up watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles over and over. I was very sad, by the way, that that was already covered because that would have been my first. (laughs) Um, But those, again, are another great example of that, the mutant Ninja Turtles who, you know, Uh they go out and they they still live amongst humans and they they fight for humanity. Uh, I just love that. So that's something that I try to bring yeah. into my work. Yeah. If you ever listen to that episode, um, one of the things that was really interesting about that that first movie, the 1991, is it still holds up really it well. Like Effects-wise, story-wise, it's a, it holds up amazingly well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. <clears throat> um, yeah, and a lot of that stuff, I was tracking a lot of that stuff that you were saying. I mean, I, I you know, you know, TMNT, obviously X-Men, I, you know, I got into comics Mm. and all this stuff basically through X-Men. Right. And that's basically, if you feel like a freak, then that's a good thing. Time to think it Mm. was kind of like the message of, of that comic book and, and, uh, and like the animated series and all that stuff. Um, but also Buffy, right. The whole idea of like horror as a metaphor for high school was, you know, Mm. the big through line in those early seasons. Yeah, it's the angstiest um, time of any of our lives trying to figure exactly. out who we are, where <laughs> our place is in the world. Yeah, yeah, I I still think back. It it was it's been a long time, but I still have memories of those times. And every now and then, I'm like, oh god, that was bad. Mm. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I think um, so... I... Oh, sorry. I was just sorry. Go ahead. Say... Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's. It's one of those things where when you're laying in bed at night and those dark thoughts creep in, all of your uh-huh. <laughs> regrets uh, from 10 years ten years ago or even earlier, like, I feel like usually it ends up being high school memories, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Almost exclusively. <laughs> um, so, uh... How's the how's the Kickstarter been going so far? Because I know you got a lot of subscribers on Webtoons, like you mentioned. Uh, how, yeah, how's this Kickstarter been doing? Well, 
this is my first uh, Kickstarter, and it currently is one third of the way uh, to the goal, which is great. And there's nice. 23 days to go still. So um, it ends February 14th. So hopefully by then it will be fully funded. Um, it seems like it's going at a good pace, but I mm-hmm. am an anxious person. So I just <laughs> yeah. assume it will fail until otherwise. <laughs> but a lot of people. Part of the reason why I haven't it, done so. one myself. <laughs> mm, it's scary. Yeah. It is, yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I do. I'm working on my own comic book now, and I do comic book work for uh, lettering work for for another publisher. But um, when it comes to trying to fund something of my own, working with another artist or something, I'm always mm. so terrified of doing it. If I can't, if I don't have that control over whether or not it gets published, that's mm-hmm. it's scary for me. <laughs> I definitely mm. feel that. I would love to learn more about your comic. Now, Oh, well, we could uh, we could talk about that more um, once we finish up with the episode. But yeah, I'd be sure. happy to tell you about it. It's not it's not it's not even finished yet. So, um, but it's just something I'm starting to get into. Um, but anyway, uh, now I'm looking at your bio here too, and it says that you've worked for um, gaming sites, and you've also worked on uh, two existing published graphic novels as well. So, why don't you yes. tell me a little bit about your uh, artistic career in general? Sure. Um, So for many years, I did illustrations for what they call virtual pet sites. And the primary one was for Tattered World, uh, which is still going strong. Um, I did work for them for five or six years. So there are thousands and thousands of illustrations that I did for them. But I did work for other pet sites as well. And to explain what a virtual pet site is, just... (laughs) for anybody who might be confused by that, because it does sound very strange. Uh, (laughs) The simplest way I can explain it is it's very similar to Neopets. It's the same idea where there's a virtual character that you take care of, that you feed or quote unquote read books to um, and just Mm -hmm. help it evolve. Or uh, there's, there's different iterations on what a virtual pet site is, depending on the virtual pet site. But uh, I did that for a long time. And I started making my way into comic books uh, a few years ago. I did flats. Uh, I did some flatting work for uh, Open Borders, uh, The Science and Ethics of Immigration by Brian Kaplan and Zach Wiener-Smith. And uh, I've done flatting work for other people as well. But that book for Open Borders was sort of a dream come true for me because in high school, I grew up reading Zach Wiener Smith's comics. He wrote Saturday or he writes oh, nice. uh, Saturday morning breakfast <laughs> cereal. So that was just, Oh my gosh. Unbelievable to be able to do work for somebody I grew up admiring. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Mm, but there's nothing like working on your own passion project. It's fulfilling in a whole other level, which I, I'm sure you completely understand. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, like I like doing the work for hire stuff, um, helps pay the bills Mm. sometimes, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, working on my own stuff is definitely uh, a whole other thing. Um, Mm. so like one of the things about, you know, the whole, the whole, the old axiom, never meet your heroes type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, how did the, how did the expectation go with the reality of actually working with him? 
Well, I never got to work directly for him. Uh, I was sort of okay. subcontracted by um, another artist I admire who was doing the coloring work for. But mm-hmm. we follow each other on Twitter. And anytime um, I've asked for a little uh, boost, uh, such as this recent Kickstarter, he's been more than glad to help uh promote what I'm working on which is so lovely of him because mm-hmm. n- nobody has to do that for you but for somebody to do that uh with such a high uh level of esteem that he has it's it's so nice um that's yeah. awesome um <laughs> yeah i think that's one of the things i've kind of noticed about comics against versus like pretty much any other medium. Like if you talk about, you know, film or, or even novels, even like there's mm. um, when you get to a certain level, there's, there's a little bit more like, um, I'm not sure what the right word is, but disconnect almost like you or... know, disconnect. Yeah. Kind of like that where um, they're, they're less willing to help, but comics, it seems different. Like even, you know, people who have worked for, for the big two or have had lots of success in comics, I mean, you'll get your occasional diva here and there, but for the mm. most part, it's a much more egalitarian, much more open community, I think. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I just, it's its a much more supportive community, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, mm. I think so too, yeah. <clears throat> um, so let's talk a little bit about your background as well, because um, you'd mentioned Archie Comics and Sonic and and also um, Open Borders and Zach Wiener Smith stuff. Um, were those kind of like your big entry points into like geekdom or, or comic books in general? Um, as far as the work goes, yes. But I grew up reading comics. Um, I like from comic strips to comic books and mm-hmm. I know I chose uh Sonic as the movie to discuss but I did go through a big superhero phase when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um I had this group of friends that was obsessed with superhero comics so I started reading Batman, Superman, um some Spider-Man but primarily DC comics. Um mm-hmm. And really, really got into Teen Titans. Uh, I I was obsessed. Um, And I think that really stemmed from childhood, like a very young age, Mm -hmm. when I went into some sort of Dollar General-esque store that had uh, floppies in a little package, like two or three Mm -hmm. floppies in a package that you could buy for a dollar. And I bought that. And one of them was the Starfire, the original Starfire, um, uh, what would you call it? Sort of like a mini-series. First appearance? Oh, mini-series. Okay, okay. Not a, or not stand, a first or standalone or something. It was, yeah, it was that uh, George Perez, Marv Wolfman um, sort of spinoff where they gave okay. uh, like a little spotlight on each of the uh, Teen Titans, the new Teen Titans. And okay. I read I read the Starfire one, and I loved her character so much. I and to this day I still love her character. She's still my favorite mm-hmm. superhero because and there's so many great ones. 
Um, but mm-hmm. I love her because I identify with her so much, just her, her passion for life and her love of people. I, mm-hmm. To my knowledge, there's not a character like that. It's what her whole race is all about. And mm-hmm. I identified with that so much. And uh, I still, even though I stopped reading superhero comics for a long time, uh, I, I have such a huge place in my heart for Starfire. Um, mm-hmm. And for DC Comics in general, but... Uh, yeah, that's even though my life has sort of gone in a different direction, uh, where I mm-hmm. probably read more manga now these days, uh, I can't forget my roots. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, yeah, it, there's a lot of that, you know, kind of sticking with the one who brought you to the dance mentality in a way I've noticed. Um, like me, I came in with Marvel and even though I love DC, I read a ton of DC stuff. Like my instinct is always to kind of gravitate towards Marvel as a result. Mm. And I found the same thing with, with other people, whatever they start with, whether it's Marvel, whether it's DC, whether it's image, even, you know, they kind of, their instinct is always kind of to gravitate towards that first one. Mm. And it might be that I would, actually really love more marvel comics if i just had the opportunity to read more right um which mm-hmm. maybe i will maybe i will when i have the time and <laughs> am not yeah. so focused <laughs> on my own comic i mean you know between all the stuff i do plus you know the two kids um mm. I, I don't have a lot of time to read a lot of comic books which is why my um my comicsology unread books are like you know, in the triple or maybe even quadruple digits at the moment. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's move into uh, talking about the the movie, which uh, we had an interesting uh, little back and forth. I hope you don't mind me sharing <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> you can, you can um, if you want, because I think it's, okay. I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> I think so too, uh, because you'd, you'd initially, uh, when we first started talking, I asked you if you wanted to come oh. on the show and, you and I gave you the list of stuff we'd already covered, and um, you actually wanted you actually suggested Birdman, and I thought that was an interesting choice because I'd seen Birdman, and I'm like, uh-huh. oh, okay, so I think you know maybe she's kind of interested in talking about like kind of the themes about you know because a lot of it's very semi autobiographical about Michael Keaton trying to break away from having mm. played Batman and all that. Yeah, there's a lot of that worked in the movie, and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess she's interested in talking about that kind of stuff. And then, uh, and then yesterday, you, <laughs> yeah, you sent me a message. You're like, "This movie was not what I thought." <laughs> Absolutely true. <laughs> I I chose that movie with with no concept of what it was, other than it was Michael Keaton as a superhero. But I didn't realize <laughs> that it was actually. Uh, more way more layers than that he doesn't actually play a superhero Mm -hmm. he plays a man who played a superhero (laughs) and the story is so much more than that (laughs) and it was Um, a great movie it is a great movie it is yeah but i mean that that was one of the movies where i'm like "Mm, okay well i guess it's kind of related we can we can we can work with it um we've Uh we've pushed the boundaries on this show a few times so it's it's uh (laughs) so i was willing to roll along with it but then you were kind of nervous about doing it and asked if we could do something else so instead you chose uh 
Sonic the Hedgehog, the um, the 2020 uh, live action version. Um, and you had mentioned you had read Sonic comics as a kid. Uh, so, mm. but w- what kind of was that? How you first got interested in Sonic? Was it the comics, or were you uh, were you a ga- uh, gamer as a kid as well? It was the comics. Um, I grew up in a very rural area. Uh, I don't know if you can tell from the accent, but uh, and we also grew up kind of poor. So I, mm-hmm. it was a long time before I had access to video games, and the only comics I ever had access to were what you could find in the Sunday newspaper, the Sunday funnies, mm-hmm. or the comics that you could get at the local grocery store. So primarily right. what I read were the Archie comics and Sonic the Hedgehog, and every now and then I would shake it up with something like The Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> Which so all totally a- gels together. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's always about good and evil, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even in the Archie comics. I mean, the Punisher, yeah, sure. the Punisher did cross over with Archie at one point, so there was that. <gasps> oh my gosh, you're right. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so, wow, you, so you got I in through the comics then. Um, yeah, it's it. I've never read it either, but I do know it exists. I do know it. Like it, I think some people might think of it as an urban legend, but mm. no, it it exists. It was actually punished back during the the heyday when like the Punisher was at the height of his popularity. They did uh, Marvel and Archie did a crossover. Um, I've never read what it, so I don't know the, what it's like. Or what not. was the thought process there? <laughs> I guess That's it was so just nineties. You know this is popular, let's milk it as much as we can mentality, because that's what that was going on a lot mm. back then. Um, so, you know, you, you were a fan of the comic books. Uh, like me, I had uh, I played the Sonic games a little bit, but I think actually what my mm. introdu- introduction to Sonic was, was really the Saturday morning TV show. Like, there were two different TV shows back at the time. Mm. Um there was one that was a little bit more like geared towards younger kids. It was a little bit more tongue in cheek mm-hmm. where tales was like in every episode. And, um, and then there was another one, which was a little bit more of like the, the edgier animation that was kind of coming out of the time. Mm. It was the storytelling was a little bit more adult, more in the vein of like, you know, uh, X-Men or Batman, the animated series where they were like freedom fighters type of thing against the kind of like yeah. a lot of stuff like that going on. Yeah. Um, and I remember as a kid, you know, watching them both and really loving the the more mature one. Um, I think it was ABC mm. that did that one. Whereas the mm. the other one, which I think was, it was the precursor to UPN, at least in my area, that had that one on. And that one I didn't like as much, but I really loved the more mature one. Um, how about you? Did you watch any of those shows? So the edgier one you describe, I never watched. That sounds very good. I grew mm-hmm. up watching... The other one that you mentioned, the babier one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to be fair, I was very, very young when I watched that one before school in the mornings. And mm-hmm. I was elementary school age. It was right up my alley then. Uh, as an adult, I tried rewatching those just a few years back. And uh, I, I even took an edible to watch it with, just in case, just in case, to, <laughs> to see if it would make it better. But no, there was no saving it. It was it was not a mm. fun time. Um, yeah, the Saturday morning Sonic, not so good. But that edgier one, I never mm. watched that one. That sounds great, though. That sounds like it would be way more entertaining. 
It was good. I think it was on one of the streaming services at one point. I'm not sure if it still is, but it's definitely worth tracking down. Um, I was, uh, yeah, my memories of that actually are still pretty fresh. In fact, I think that's where the whole chili dog thing started, if I'm not mistaken. Really? The, the chili okay. dog reference. I think. I'm not 100% sure. So I'm sure someone on the internet will correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think I probably would have, at, at the time, I think I probably would have liked the, um, the the more the 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 more cartoony one a little bit more if I didn't have that other one as a comparison point of comparison mm. um but when you had those both then it was very clear like which one was the better one oh yeah I can see that so uh what did you feel about this did you see this movie when it came out I didn't see it immediately when it came out but I did I had seen it uh I watched it last year I watched it last mm-hmm. year um, and I, I watched it again just before this record. So this was my second time watching it. And, uh, I had a lot of thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. it was, it was vaguely what I remembered it being like, uh, with my first time watching it. Um, I do feel like it's definitely targeted more towards kids than adults. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's enough adult not content, so to speak, but humor to keep an adult interested. Like mm-hmm. for an adult with kids, for example, like you, like maybe this is the perfect movie to watch with younger kids because it can keep everybody entertained. Um, yeah. I, I feel like if you, I feel like it's a great movie to keep your sanity as a parent, maybe rather than <laughs> allow, <laughs> allowing your kids to watch something that you know you're going to get sick of. This seems like a good alternative. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know if your two-year-old likes this movie. Um, but yeah, I thought it was cute. I gave it a solid mm-hmm. cute, this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Helena's a little bit too young to really pay attention to anything that's mm. she, she doesn't pay attention really to anything yet like mostly she just likes flashy visuals and, uh-huh. and music she's big into music um, that's uh. mainly her things um, so it's like she watches like Mickey Mouse yeah she watches like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and she'll she'll watch that for like 10 or 15 minutes at a time um, but mostly I think she just likes the sound more than anything else um, mm. but yeah, every now and then she does, she loves, um, she loves theme songs, especially like the, oh. the, the, the Simpsons theme song. Uh, she loves that one. Um, she loves the X-Files theme song. She loves the Peacemaker theme song. So wow. she, she went apeshit over the Peacemaker theme song every time it started playing. Um, so cute. So yeah, she, yeah. So she's Maybe not quite at the stage yet where. Hmm. She might, she might, who knows. Um, but she's not really at the stage yet where she's, you know, willing to sit and absorb story so much. She's getting there a little bit. Now she's um, she's starting to sit down more and actually listen when we read her mm-hmm. stories and stuff like that. So she's slowly getting to that point. I think maybe within this year or next year, she'll probably start being able to sit down and actually watch a TV show as, as opposed to just listening to it. Um, mm. uh, so, but yeah, I, 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 I'm... Can't remember if she was actually born or not when I when I saw this uh, for the first time because I didn't see it in theaters, but I did see it when it first came on streaming, and um, I remember the the concept of it and when we were because the the whole curse of video game movies right is obviously big whenever one of these things comes up, and in the lead up to this movie and when I saw the trailers, I, I mean, first off, there was the whole controversy about the design. I'm not sure if you know yes. about that. Oh, absolutely. Okay. 
We have to discuss uh, that. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyone who uh, who doesn't remember, there is this whole thing about the original design of um, the character uh, of Sonic, and it was just eviscerated on Twitter. <laughs> and it was, you know, for good reason. It was a pretty friggin' ugly design. Yeah, I think most um, people were in agreement about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, like it didn't have any fur or something, at least in the beginning. And it actually they even made a joke teeth. about it. Strangely human teeth. Yeah. And the eyes were a little bit too small. And it actually had a cameo in uh, the Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie as well, I hear. That's right. Yeah. Because um, they'd done because they'd done a lot of like, you know, tongue in cheek stuff about CGI characters in that. Um, mm. I haven't seen that movie yet, but I but I'm curious to see it just just for that, if nothing else. Same. Um <laughs> And then after that, Sony came out with um, with a redesign um, pretty quickly, well, think, and it was a much. I think Tyson Hesse uh, was the one who uh, was the main guy behind the redesign for it, uh, mm-hmm. who also yes, is yeah. in, in comics. Yeah, yeah, it says he had worked on previous Sonic the Hedgehog media. Um, mm. He had give, he had given the larger eyes, changed the color of them, new shoes, gave him the white gloves, and also made the body look a little bit closer to what it was in the video game. And overall, I think, I think he nailed it. Like um, maybe so a little too. bit too tall, I think, but otherwise I think it's mm. a very, very uh, representative of that character. Yeah. I think it's the perfect balance of uh, 3d with some of the 2d characteristics from the original Sonic. Um, mm-hmm. And it just strikes a really good balance uh, because before the original design they had, it was, that uncanny valley that you get from the kind of like the cats musical, like the live action Mm -hmm. version of the cats musical. Uh, It was that level of creepiness and weirdness. Uh, But yeah, Tyson Hesse really saved us there with that sonic redesign. It's so much better. Yeah. Uh, The best thing about the cats movie was, were the reviews. (laughs) I will say. Yes. I'm not sure if you've ever like I never saw the movie, but um, really, you know, Derek, my late co-host, he did see it, and he is like, I uh, wish I did not see that. Yeah, um, I, I saw it in theaters with uh, my partner and two of our friends. Going in, we knew it was going to be bad, so we got exactly what we mm-hmm. expected. <laughs> now that sounds like something you should definitely consume a handful of edibles before watching. <laughs> you know what? It's on my Amazon wish list for that very reason. <laughs> um but i was a little bit even with the the improved animation and stuff i was still a little bit nervous about this movie because of the like i'm i'm someone who you know i don't worry too much about advanced uh news releases or press or um like i i'm or even like you know internet chatter about it like i'm i'm always willing to give something a chance so Mm. even when everybody was complaining about this movie even like I sat through the redesign, I'm like, all right, it's not my thing, but whatever. And then when they came with the new one, I'm like, okay, this looks much better. I'll, I'm willing to give this a shot. Um, but I was also there was also still a little part of me that was kind of nervous because I had those memories of that ABC show. And mm-hmm. and I was thinking, I'm like, well, it seems kind of a waste to bring Sonic into the, you know, the regular Earth type of thing, right? I thought it was, yeah, you know, like, what what's that really do for the character, you know? You know, wouldn't it be more interesting to see that the world that he inhabits and all that and see how they go, how they run with that? Um, 
and you know because it, it felt kind of like um you know the old masters of the universe movie where instead of having it set on eternia where they're in this fantasy world they bring he-man and skeletor and everyone onto earth in the 80s and it's like d- this isn't really what we wanted when we said we wanted a he-man movie so yeah. i was thinking kind of like that at first <clears throat> go ahead oh no no i'm just in agreement here oh, okay sorry sorry i thought you had something to add to that um so i was i was a little bit nervous going in and then when i actually sat down and watched it i'm like this is pretty damn good. Like, I think mm. they did a really good job with this. I, I'm on board with you 100% there. I I also didn't know how they were going to work with that, but the way that they reframed um, Sonic and... I mean, I guess technically he always was an alien because he does come from a different planet, but we've just never seen mm-hmm. him on our planet. So it was interesting to see how they... Uh, used that and accentuated it really like they they refer mm-hmm. to him as an alien kind of throughout the movie um right and they they found ways to make it work uh and there it, it's kind of cute sometimes like seeing our our world through sonic's eyes like the parts of earth that make it fun and interesting mm-hmm. um basically through the lens of a child like he sonic is kind of a kid and he looks at our world in childlike wonder um so Mm. there's some charm to that as well yeah and i think one of the things that really helps sell that is the fact that uh is ben schwartz's performance as him um Mm. like i only knew ben schwartz from um uh parks and recreation Mm. so when they said he was the guy who was doing sonic i'm like really that guy um but it he he did he 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 knocked it out of the park i thought like he was um i thought he perfectly captured when i think of sonic that's basically that kind of personality that i think of and i think yes. ben schwartz really brought that to the character and and like you were saying with that kind of youthful exuberance and like how amazed he is at all this kind of stuff um that stuff that those are the moments i think when when schwartz really shines like i really believed mm-hmm. his, that he was he really was interested in all this stuff too Absolutely. He seems like the kind of person who's a kid at heart. Like you see that in his Parks and Rec performances and it definitely shines mm-hmm. uh, through this Sonic character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was also very impressed with uh, James Marsden's performance as Tom too. Like I think, I think James Marsden is one of the most underrated actors. I think he got, you know, totally robbed in the, in the X-Men films. He was great in Westworld, mm. which now unfortunately got canceled as well. Um, and he was really good in this and it, it shows just how versatile he is because he's able to do like, you know, these more serious, more dramatic roles, but he's also able to just kind of like, you know, cut loose and be funny in this. Like there, he had some great lines in this. Like, I love the part when he talks about his dentist who calls him Tim. Yeah, that was cute. That's one of those lines that, uh, is maybe more for the adults than kids. Honestly, Mm -hmm. no, I feel like kids maybe appreciate that too but it's just one of those uh moments that i was like all right all right this is pretty funny this is pretty good (laughs) it also got me because i definitely had those moments when i've been working with someone for years and all of a sudden one day you realize shit i don't know this guy's name and now it's too late to ask (laughs) very relatable Mm, very relatable yeah um 
and also the the relationship he has with with Maddie, uh, Tika Sumter. That was another really mm. nice thing. A little, Very and cute. the whole, yeah, and the little like you know little you know sibling in law rivalry he has with with her sister. I thought that was also really well done. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Natasha Rothwell she she did a great job <laughs> in that role too as as the sister. <clears throat> but I think what makes that work is how supportive they are of each other as a couple. Uh, because mm-hmm. it would it's it's so overdone the the rocky relationships i feel like yeah, we need yeah. to leave that behind in 90 sitcoms just like leave that behind mm-hmm. a little bit because <laughs> unless like you're doing something that is a uh, relationship drama like but this is like a fun sonic movie you don't need that here and i was just i just it was so refreshing to see that couple and how they handled this blue alien situation together. Mm-hmm. It was great. One of my favorite go-tos talking about couples in these unusual situations and how storytelling has kind of matured on that is Superman and Lois. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that show. Um, oh, but just no. the, it's really good. Um, and just like the depiction, my, one of my favorite moments is from the first season when, you know, because in, in the show, they're married, they have kids, so there's no, like, you know, Lois doesn't know that Clark and Superman are the same person type thing. None of that right. in there. But um, uh, one of the, one of my favorite episodes, one of my favorite moments is, <clears throat> excuse me, she asks Clark to go to this uh, town hall meeting because she can't go because uh, mm. she's got to do some uh, some other investigation. And he's like, yeah, I'll go. I'll take notes for you. I'll take care of everything. No problem. And then something happens to Superman and he has to go and take care of this other thing. And then he comes back and he tells her, and he's like, I'm so sorry. I, I was, I, I was going to try and go, but I just, you know, something came up and, and she's like, look, I know you're, I get your Superman. I get you were saving lives and I get it's irrational, but I'm still pissed <laughs> off. And so I just got to yeah. be alone for a minute. And I'm like, that's a, that's a, a great way of dealing with it. That's a great yeah. way of explaining it. Cause yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, logically she, if, and if, cause in most, times you'd see her be like like you know you you'd show lois as being pissed off at that like you know mm. well you pro- you made a promise and then you broke your promise and us as the audience we'd usually be like yeah but you know he was you know saving a bus full of kids mm. what do you want him to do yeah, um, yeah but i yeah. thought this was a nice way of explaining that well like look she understands but there's also that part that illogical part of you that's still like well you broke your promise so i think that was a really yeah. good way of handling it that sounds, you know, I, you've sold me on that show because that sounds great. Because that, that is I've, such a I've real sold so scenario. many people on just that moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it That's is. And, um, and, I, and I think you're right about the relationship he has with Maddie because that, that scene when, um, you know, he comes in with Sonic and everything and she's taking care of him and then she's like, let's mm. go talk. And she's like, okay. I think you can agree that I've been very cool about this up until yeah. now. And, then, and he's like, yeah, you've been very cool. You've been crushing. She's like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Now what the hell's going on? <laughs> also, she's a veterinarian, but she's never worked with this kind of anatomy before. What does mm-hmm. he expect her to do? Well, yeah, I love that too. When she, he's like, well, you're a vet. She's like, yeah, a vet who works <laughs> with animals. Like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very good. So I want to talk about Jim Carrey's performance in this mm. movie. Um, what what were your thoughts about Jim Carrey as uh, Robotnik? I think uh, when the movie was first announced, I was just very curious about how they were going to make that work because mm-hmm. he 
even with whatever prosthetics you would put on him, I couldn't imagine how they could make him look like the Dr. Robotnik, Robotnik that you know from the comics uh, or mm-hmm. the cartoons or the games. And mm-hmm. they, I think, knocked it out of the park with how they reimagined him uh, in every which way. And honestly, mm-hmm. I think he was my favorite part about the whole movie. He just, he was just so good. Um, and I don't, I don't know if, who they could have gotten to do it other than Jim Carrey. Like, he's just such a great character mm. actor. And uh, really funny that there's two superhero actors in this movie, at least, like, because uh, the guy that plays Tom, he was... Uh, he was Cyclops, yeah, yeah. Right, and then Jim Carrey was uh, the Riddler. Mm-hmm. And I don't and, remember uh, Well, actually, you've got three... Yeah, it was Batman Forever. Um, also, you've got um, Neil McDonough, who plays the general. He was um, he was in uh, the first Captain America movie. He was um, uh, oh, Dugan, the guy cool. with the mustache. And he was also um, he also played a villain on uh, the CW shows. He was in Arrow and uh, Legends of Tomorrow as well. Um, I can't remember his name on that, but hey, I had a little bit. Of, I had a, a slightly... mind like a. <laughs> I was going to say you still have a mind like a still trap. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just, I've got all this useless knowledge of, of superhero media and there's no room for anything else as a result. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, but with, uh, with Jim Carrey's performance, I was a little bit more mixed on it. I, for the most mm. part, I think I liked it. Um, mm. But there were some of those moments where he just kind of relies on, on zany Jim Carrey, as opposed to doing his more character actor thing. Like, you know, the dance scene or like when he's taught, when he keeps interrupting the general, that kind of stuff. It, it, mm-hmm. it gave me, you, you mentioned the Riddler. It gave me a very, it gave me a lot of Riddler vibes. And I don't say that as a positive because <laughs> I do not like his Riddler. Yeah. 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 I, I sort of wondered though, if that was meant to make him like some of that was sort of entertaining to me. And then some of it was mm-hmm. sort of, annoying but i think it was only annoying in the way that a good villain can be annoying like if mm-hmm. i'm watching a movie and a character is making me angry like very angry i have to think of, mm-hmm. i have to step back a little bit and think are they making me angry because that is what the intent is and if it is then i just end up uh, uh conceding okay they're doing a good job at that thing then mm-hmm. um and I sort of, I sort of felt like this Doctor Robotnik, the whole premise behind this character was that they were overcompensating. It felt like this character mm-hmm. is—he brags about his superior intellect, but I think really it's all rooted in insecurity, which I think is uh, great for a villain. Like it's a great um, backstory. And mm-hmm. they they touch on it just a tiny bit in this movie, enough to enough of a hint uh, of his like childhood trauma, like he mm-hmm. talks about a childhood bully and stuff. I feel like that's just enough to make us realize, okay, okay, he's not as smart as he says he is, um, or at least it doesn't justify his evil behavior. Uh, so I sort of was trying to look at it through that frame. Uh, or that lens, but 
the silliness, the over-the-top silliness. Um, I think I... I don't know. I kind of liked it. I don't know if it's because... Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because I was just already in the mindset of, okay, this movie is more geared towards children, so I shouldn't be expecting too much. And... Mm -hmm. Maybe I didn't enjoy every joke that uh, he had, mm -hmm. but just <clears throat> overall, I really appreciated it. Um, the one, the thing that made me laugh the most or the hardest was when it was his uh, his henchman or his uh, mm -hmm. his number two, basically asking if he wanted yeah. if he wanted to make him a vanilla latte or something, and he angrily says, "Of course." Of course, I want a vanilla latte. It's delicious. Like I just love. I the love the way you make them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to me, that was that was perfect. No, I think there's a lot. I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there. I think I think you're right. The insecurity thing, especially, um, and I think those are the moments when I think Carrie's performance is really at its strongest. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like when he's when he's kind of demeaning the general. When he's um, when he's uh, he's always and when he's telling um. You know, when he's telling Tom, he's like, I accomplished everything that more than you will ever accomplish by the time that I was a toddler and, mm. and all that kind of stuff like that insecurity definitely comes through a lot. And I think it makes it clear that, you know, yeah, maybe he isn't the smartest guy in on the planet like he claims he is, but he just needs to believe that so much because yes, he has nothing exactly. else in his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially the like when Tom says I was breastfed and he goes, oh, yeah, throw that in my orphan face. Right. <laughs> That's another example of one of these, you know, these great one-liners. Um, but yeah, the dance and, uh, thing, when, like the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I think I zoned out at that part. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing. Like it, those, those great moments. And I think that's why I say like I'm kind of mixed on his performance because mm. overall I think he gives a really good interpretation of Robotnik. I think it's, it makes sense why this guy is involved in this. You know, the whole the whole government connection makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, his the the robots and everything is an obsession with the robots where he mm. says, you know, you know, what I like about robots is they do what they're told and they don't need to take mm. breaks. They don't need overtime or anything like that. And all that, you know, it tracks very much. This is a guy who just cannot relate to other humans on any level whatsoever. Mm. Like even when he's. Even when he's thanking someone for a latte, he can't do it like a normal person does. Right? Yeah. There's... <laughs> and, and and Tom and he, and you know the the poor henchman, right? He keeps trying so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you were gonna say about a... Tom? Oh, I was just going to say to add to your point um, about how Doctor Robotnik can't relate to other people. Tom actually brings that up at the end of the movie, saying, "Well." Sonic is way more human than you will ever be. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is, yeah, completely fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, but yeah, the, like you mentioned, like the dance scene and like some of the other zaniness, I think that just, it, it kind of overshadows it. And I guess, you know, Jim Carrey was just kind of having a little fun. You know, it's like, this is the first time I'm doing something like this in years. So, it seemed like mm. he was just kind of like enjoying like flexing those old, you know, comedy muscles that he mm. hasn't really used in a long time. Actually, I can't remember the last time he had he had done like one yeah. of those zany type performances because he's moved into much more of the sometimes more dramatic, but at least a lot more character focused acting as opposed to 
early on his career where it was much more like, you know, the rubber face man, you know, and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, in recent years, I can only think of a series of unfortunate events and the Grinch um, where he played mm-hmm. like more whimsical characters that are more appealing towards children or geared towards children. Right. Mm. And even those were a while back. I right? like, you know, 15 years ago or so. So mm-hmm. it's been a while a since he's done ago. something like that. Yeah. Um, geez, I can't believe that. <laughs> uh, Same. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but what were some of the, the moments that really kind of stood out to you in this movie uh, in general? Um, I guess... I... I totally saw what they were going for, um, trying to make, trying to make Sonic pull at our heartstrings, um, Mm -hmm. and I sort of had mixed feelings about it. I really enjoyed, uh, how he immediately, um, sort of took to Tom and his wife and, some of the townspeople, including like the crazy old coot who knows Sonic mm-hmm. exists, but he can't prove it to anyone. Um, but Sonic sort of just looks at him in a positive way. Like he just, he just mm-hmm. seems to enjoy everything around him in this new world mm-hmm. he's living in. Uh, but on the other hand, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't sympathize with him as much as I think the movie wanted uh, me too. Um, there were mm-hmm. a lot of very heartfelt moments where he was sad he wouldn't be able to achieve all of the things on his Earth bucket list, and mm-hmm. uh, there there was like a, a a change in music, and uh, he had like glistening eyes, like he was tearing up, and I just I just couldn't really relate to that as much i was i acknowledge mm. that this is meant to be a sad moment but it just it just didn't really hit me um i think maybe as a kid it might have though i was mm-hmm. i feel like as a kid i cried at movies a, a lot more <laughs> um i feel a little more jaded as an adult like i don't even <laughs> i feel like people are gonna hate me for this but i don't really enjoy watching pixar movies as much anymore mm-hmm. um I'm just, I, I just, it doesn't really hit me like it hits a lot of people. Um, I, t- mm. I sort of tend to be driven more towards uh, foreign films or indie films. Um, that's sort of what sort of impacts me more. I think if I can, mm-hmm. I think if it's predictable, which people are going to hate me for this, but I think if <laughs> it's predictable, which I feel like Pixar films kind of are, then... Mm-hmm. I, it 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 can't emotionally affect me as much. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. That's fair. I think yeah, I think there's some good points. I don't think I don't think anyone's gonna hate you for that. We've I've I've put put forth a lot of unpopular opinions on this show. So I think if <laughs> um, if they haven't come from me with pitchforks yet, I think you're okay for that uh-huh. one little thing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Feels like a monster though. To <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but I think the about Sonic though. I actually this is um. I think it's interesting. We had the opposite reactions to this where I was a little bit more ah. mixed on Robotnik where you were much more invested in, <laughs> in, in that. Whereas um, you were a little bit more mixed on like, you know, 
Sonic's melancholy. Whereas me, I was much more mm. invested in that. And I think a big part of it is just a little bit more of the relatability because me, you know, being a being a foreigner in Japan, I had mm. found a lot of relatability to that outsider aspect. And also that thing about, mm. you know, oh, there's so many things I want to do and I'm not going to be able to do it all. Like mm. there's, you know, a few years back, I I had left Japan to go back to the States for a job offer. And mm-hmm. I had had those moments, too, when it's like, I'm not going to be able to. So I really kind of connected to him with those things. Mm. That's a good point, though. I can totally see how your experiences uh, would make that more relatable to you. Uh, yeah, I can appreciate that. Again, I was not expecting to connect as much with Sonic emotionally when I went into this movie. So I think that's another big part mm. of it is just the kind of surprise about, you know, connecting so much with this CGI hedgehog voiced by the guy from Parks and Rec <laughs> that just really kind of it. I was not expecting that at all. I did not go in expect like I my expectations going into this movie were somewhat not necessarily low, but, you know, I thought based on the trailers and what some people have been saying, I thought I'm like, okay, this will be a fun movie. It'll be a good way to kill like 90 minutes. I'll have a good time watching it. And then it'll be one of those things where, you know, after it's over, I'll forget about it 10 minutes after it's done. Mm. type of thing. Mm. And I was kind of impressed with how, which is why, you know, I didn't even bother going to see it in the theater. I waited until it came on to to streaming Mm -hmm. to see it. And, And I was really kind of surprised by how much I really kind of enjoyed it and really related to to Sonic's emotional journey in it. Mm. I mean, I do think it's important that they included that in the first place, Mm -hmm. though. Like we as the audience needed to be able to sympathize or empathize with him to connect with him on that level and for us to want him to be on our earth. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like it's fun to imagine him like living amongst us and having a good time uh it wouldn't it it wouldn't be as uh of an emotional investment if we watched him desperately trying to get back to his own planet mm-hmm. uh, it it does require more emotional investment to see his desire to live amongst humans and to live mm-hmm. on earth so i totally understand why they went in that direction um i don't think they they could have gone in the other way, but I think it's more effective this way for sure. I think so too. I think having him being so, because I think the typical way to do this story is just like him trying to get back to his own world and, you know, mm. being kind of like, you know, surprised or maybe disgusted with the stuff he sees on earth. Right. Or kind of like, you know, being, which is the way a lot of, or just confused, right? Like, you know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about the whole fish out of water thing. Like, especially the mm-hmm. the first Thor movie did that a lot where, you know, mm. you know, throwing down the glass in the, in the restaurant and going to the pet store <laughs> and asking for a horse and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, whereas in this movie, and I think they really did a good job because they really thought, what would it really be like if we took this character, this specific character and put him in this different setting? How would he react to that? And I thought, Right from the opening scene, when we go through his whole routine and everything, I thought they just nailed it, right? The whole thing about him, mm. like, exercising in the washing machine or, um, yeah. or in the dryer <laughs> and uh, reading Flash comics and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. I thought all of that was perfect. Um, and, yeah, the relationships he has with the the townspeople. Like, you know, I love that moment in the car when 
uh, Tom goes, so crazy Carl was right. And Sonic goes, yeah, you should really call him super observant Carl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or or even at the end when they have that final uh, showdown with Dr. Robotnik mm. and all of, a seven, all of a sudden the sheriff deputy is there and crazy Carl is there and mm-hmm. he's got a chainsaw because he's ready <laughs> to defend Sonic too. That was such a cute moment to me. You know what? It's funny that that scene worked for me as well as it did because usually when i see moments in that in movies it almost and this is the cynic in me this is the jaded cynic Mm. in me it it kind of makes me roll my eyes like the whole Mm. i remember in um throughout the like the the original the first five spider-man movies there was always this the new york love spider-man moment i call it oh yeah 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 Yeah. you know like the first movie they're on the bridge and they're all throwing stuff at the goblin the second movie it's the whole train scene the third movie it's you know everything like the opening scene and the flags and the parades and even in the amazing spider-man right there's the crane operators that are and all that kind of stuff and and all and i know a lot of people are like oh i love that moment you know it was and, and I'm just like, for me, I'm just like, I, maybe it's cause I'm not a New Yorker, but it just, it didn't mean a whole lot to me. I, it didn't grab mm. me at all. And so usually, and again, this is the cynic in me. Usually those scenes do not work for me. This one, surprisingly, it worked for me. Maybe it's because it was on such a small scale. So you can, it's more believable. Like mm-hmm. these are, this is a couple of people from a small town. So there's probably a closer connection than a city full of people yeah. who know about this superhero character, but mm-hmm. have no real connection to like no personal connection, not like Sonic literally has with these small town folks. Right. Uh, maybe, th- maybe that's possibly why, but I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's probably why. The fact that it's set in a small town. And by the way, I also love the little um, relation to the game where the town's name is Green Hill. Because that was the name that's of the first stages cute. in the game. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, what about the uh, the other thing I thought I thought was really well done is the, the way they incorporated little things from the video games. Like, because, mm. you know, I mean, the whole thing in the video game is you have to catch the rings. So that's kind of like your life meter in a way. And mm-hmm. and there and different versions have done different things with the rings. I remember in the ABC version, the ring was kind of like almost like a power up. Like when when Sonic used a ring, he got like this extra boost of power in this. They used it where the ring is this portal type of thing, mm. um, which also connects to the games because, you know, there's the big rings that you jump in for the ex- the bonus stages and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how the comics have done the rings or if they've addressed it at all. How, how do you, what do you remember about how the, they used it? My, I'm actually not sure at all. Um, I, when I read the comics, it was so scattered and never like in a sequence. So okay. to be honest, when I read them, I had no idea what was going on, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I enjoyed them nonetheless. Um, I, I only played a Sonic game for the first time last year. Really? Mm. So how, how did it feel after, time. after like, you know, experiencing this character from your childhood and playing that first game? How was it? It's, it's going to take a lot more practice to get the flow of it. <laughs> um, it's very different from any kind of game I've played before, but I totally get the appeal of it. Mm. Uh, it's, it's so much fun to be, in a fast pace like that. Like that's literally like what his character is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, visually, it's really nice. Uh, 
I just I, I just really need to play it more to get the hang of it because I don't yeah just like the comics I have I don't know what the heck is going on <laughs> <laughs> but somehow it's still fun yeah 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 I remember I still break them out every now and then I've got a I got a retro gaming system every now and then I'll break it out and I'll play like the the, the Sonic game oh or something fun like that. yeah it's great it's we, fun we were playing it through the Switch because they released it. Um, they released an emulator version of it, so you can oh play yeah, it on, yeah, yeah, on the Nintendo Switch, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the way they handled the effects and all that, and they had incorporated the little video, like the rings, and also, but also like his his mm. spin dash, and even like the mm. whole thing, because you know, I'm not sure if you ever realized this in the game, but if you if you wait for a while, if you don't do anything, right? Sonic starts tapping his foot, he starts checking his watch, and all yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I love how they wow. work that into the the missile scene. You're totally right. Yeah, mm. that is very cute. Mm. There were little things like that I had noticed too, but uh, I'm sure there's a list somewhere we where we could see every single little thing that was oh, yeah. noticed. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure there's I mean, a the bunch shoes, of stuff. Of course. Oh yeah, I love. That's another example of a scene that you know, on paper, I would have rolled my eyes at that scene, but it yeah. it works in this movie, and I think part of it is just the the performance Ben Schwartz has given where, you know, this whole kind of melancholy thing, how he so wants a friend. And then he finally finds people who accept him pretty willingly. Mm. And I think that's, Mm. that's those scenes work so well for me when they happen as a result of that. Mm. It might also, I wonder if it's as a father, you sort of like see uh, Sonic. I mean, he kind of is like a lost kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and in a way, Tom and his, I, I keep forgetting his wife's name. Maddie. Maddie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they kind of become surrogate parents to him, which is so cute. And mm-hmm. even Maddie's niece, uh, she's the one who gives him his new shoes. That, yeah. repl- that replaces his totally beat up shoes and socks that had holes in them. Mm-hmm. That was such a... To be honest, I, I I did roll my eyes a little bit, but at the same time, I was like, actually, that is very sweet. Mm-hmm. I think you're right about the the fatherhood thing playing a role in it for me, because now that I think about it, I think my daughter had been born by the time I first watched this movie, because if I was because I don't I think if I had seen this before I became a father, I would had a, I would have had a very different reaction to those. Mm. scenes, And I have seen that in other movies like. Again, I use this example all the time. I'm sure the listeners are tired of hearing about it, but <laughs> the first Amazing Spider-Man movie, when, um, when uh, I'm not sure if you ever saw it or not, but the scene when Dennis Leary's character, all of them. Uh, Captain Stacy, when he's dying, right, and he's mm. talking to Peter, and he tells him, you know, he's like, you're going to make enemies, um, but you're doing good work, but I have one thing to ask. Leave Gwen out of it. You know, don't get her involved. Mm. Stay away from her. And before I saw, before I had kids, my reaction was, you know, why are you doing that to Peter, man? He's just trying to, you know, he's, he's doing the best he can and everything. And now afterwards having kids, I'm like, yeah, I kind of get it. I would probably say the same thing. It's interesting. Um, But yeah, I think you're right. I think that definitely does play a role in it. Um, And I mean, the visuals too, in this movie were just, you know, not only the sonic design, but the way they handled his speed and the way mm-hmm. they showcased it and like the fights with the robots and all that. I thought all of that was just amazingly well done. Mm. Very well executed. Oh, and I love any film that uh, freezes time and lets mm-hmm. a character play with it. They, 
they really uh, had a lot of fun with that. And that was a lot of fun as a viewer to watch. Um, like, I, I can't think of many movies. I know other movies have done it, but I can't mm-hmm. think of it as a any comparisons except the Robert Downey Jr. in the Sherlock Holmes movies. There's some, like, freeze uh, frame sort of time-stopping right. moments. When he's strategizing yeah. how to how to win the fight and all that, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I think that's a whole lot of fun, and well, it's so mind... interesting. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Just interest, it's just interesting to think about. This is kind of like Sonic's reality. Like this mm-hmm. must be how he views the world at all times. We're just getting like a glimpse of it here, which is very strange to think about. Yeah, I thought um, my the thing I my go to was. Um, x-men days of future past the scene with quicksilver Mm. um and i know everybody loves that scene in that movie but it um it doesn't quite work for me for a few reasons uh i mean i think it visually it looks great you know it does it but for the one thing i think the whole him listening to music is weird because logically if he's moving this fast he would be finished before the first note of the song even finishes. Oh, um, see, I haven't seen that, but that's interesting. Okay. That, that's interesting to note. Uh, yeah. Like, Cause he I, like, if he, I watch he, that. I'm going to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like he puts the headphones on and then he starts racing around and I'm like, okay, but he doesn't stop time. He's moving in real time here. So that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So that's just yeah, my yeah, yeah. logic brain intruding in, but also just that depiction of Quicksilver in, in those movies. I didn't really like because that's not the the Quicksilver I know from the comic books. Mm. Uh, if you ever saw Avengers: Age of Ultron, Aaron Taylor Johnson, mm. that is Quicksilver from the comics, and so that was just okay. my thing about it. But here, I thought it worked very well because it was very much in tune with Sonic's character. Right? Mm. Every like all playing all these little gags on people and all that, all of that totally fit with his character in in the games in. In, in other stuff, he's always been like, you know, kind of rambunctious. And this is the kind of the stuff if if you gave like a 13 year old kid superpowers, superhuman speed, mm-hmm. this is the kind of shit he would do. So I totally bought into all of that. I, I also show or blah, 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 I also appreciate that it shows uh, that he's clever, too. Mm-hmm. He is very rambunctious and childlike, but he does uh, have like a strategic mind to a degree because yeah. he's it looks like he's just randomly setting up every person in this bar for a prank. But by the time he's done doing all of this stuff and we see time go back in motion mm-hmm. again, uh, literally everybody in the bar falls over all at once at the <laughs> same time because he has rigged some all of this stuff so that everybody is affected by this little trap mm-hmm. of his. It's it's a it's a lot of fun. Well, also, you know, going with the way he perceives the world, too. Mm. I think they show that not only through those scenes, but also, like, <clears throat> when he's in the car with Tom. And he's like, he's like, how long is it going to take for us to get there? And he's like, he's like, we just started driving. And, but <laughs> but for someone like that, who he can move at superhuman speed, uh-huh. you know, like, I, I mean, you know, you probably know being stuck in traffic or something like that. It's like, oh, God damn, how long is this going to take? Like, mm-hmm. any sort of minor inconvenience that slows you down it is an annoyance and and uh, they do it there are two ways to play that one way you can play it as someone who gets really super annoyed with everything or you can Mm. just play it as someone who just gets annoying because he gets bored very easily and i thought that really fits the way they did it with sonic Mm. yeah and also 
that fits in the whole kids thing because you know you know the whole are we there yet thing are we there yet <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um those are kind of the main things I'd wanted to mention. Is there anything else that you had? Cause I know you had some notes, uh, general notes you said, anything else that we didn't touch on that you wanted to comment on? Um, yeah. So when I, I was on a podcast a few years back, um, talking about the, uh, the influences on my comic mm-hmm. and it was only sort of then that I realized that Sonic the Hedgehog could have been an influence Um, But I didn't realize it for a long time. And one of the things that made me remember is in the eighth grade, um, all my life, all my life, I grew up drawing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I came from a small town. So literally everybody knew me for that. By the time uh, I was in the eighth grade, they asked me to draw the yearbook cover. And uh, our mascot was a tiger. Mm -hmm. So when I drew it, I literally drew it as if it were a Sonic the Hedgehog character <laughs> with the with the sort of uni eyeball, the single mm-hmm. eyeball with two pupils, um, and totally forgot about it. So that was sort of that was sort of like physical evidence of how much Sonic the Hedgehog influenced me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a lot of fun to realize. Nice, nice. Um... And also, did you see the? Have you seen the second movie yet? I haven't, but I know that people are very, very thirsty for. Um, uh, gosh, uh, what's his name? The Echidna. Oh, um, Idris Elba. Knife. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Knuckles. Knuckles. So yeah, Knuckles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knuckles. <laughs> I was gonna say knives. Who is knives? <laughs> Knuckles. People are so thirsty for him. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure I remember that, that chatter takes- on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that one, I believe, takes place like in their world, right? I'm not sure. I haven't seen it myself. That's why I was just because I was thinking about it last night. So I'm like, wait, that movie is out on DVD now. I haven't even seen it yet. Mm. So I'm, I was actually looking it up at the because I, I haven't seen any of the streaming services here in Japan, but we still have rental stores. So I was looking it up on the, the rental store app and it is there. So I'm going to have to go and pick that up next time I go out to the rental store. Yeah, um, I might, too. Yeah, I mean it's but yeah, I mean this movie it was it was surprising how much I enjoyed it after I saw it on streaming. When I was back in the states, I saw the I think it was the Blu-ray for like, you know, 2 bucks, so I picked it up, you know, at a used store and you know, definitely don't regret that purchase. I think I've watched it yeah, that's you know, a good deal. once when I first got it and then again just last night. So I've watched it twice since then, so it's already paid for itself. <laughs> that's um, great. But yeah, this is a fun movie. And like you mentioned, you know, with my kids, I could easily see this being something that they would enjoy. And when, when they get a little bit older, I think this is something that they would they would sit down and they'd like watching. Mm. And something that you can watch with them and won't go crazy with. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because um, right now my daughter is getting kind of into Teletubbies and those things are just creepy <laughs> as hell. <laughs> I don't have kids, but I think about that all the time. Like my partner and I, (laughs) we talk about that. Like, okay, we got to have a game plan. When we have kids, we're going to push all of these things onto them. All these Mm. things that we know we like too. So maybe we won't go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm I'm trying to do that. But at this point, she's still (laughs) too young to really take too much of it. So um, like she uses, she uses YouTube a lot. And there's this one YouTube series called Blippi. And it's like this, I don't know if you know this, but it's this like a, 
this, you know, this adult guy, but he dresses in like these colorful clothes and he's got like all this energy and just goes around to these different places, like exploring things and all that. Mm. And it's just like, the guy is so freaking annoying. Like every time I hear his voice, <laughs> it's just like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> oh no. But she loves it. So she plays it all the time. Right, right. <laughs> The um, sacrifices that you must make for your children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Lindsay, it was a, it was a lot of fun having you on. Um, a lot of fun talking about about Sonic. Uh, you had mentioned ratings before at the beginning of this. Uh, so, what do you think you, overall you would kind of give this movie if you were going to rate it on, say, like a five or ten ten star scale? Ooh, interesting. Um... Well, the way that we do ratings on my podcast is we rate out of 10 and then we, mm-hmm. we each individually choose uh, the stars that we rate with. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think I would comfortably give it 6.5 out of 10 chili dogs. Okay, nice rating scale. Um, I rated this on on uh, I use Letterbox a lot, and Letterbox, you know, they've got the five star system with the half star. So I mm. I think I gave this a four star rating on letterbox. So that would be probably like a, a, you know, about an eight, maybe if we were doing a 10. Hey, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I I maybe might knock it down to, to seven, seven and a half, but I think, Mm. but yeah, yeah. 3.5 eight. I think that that's about where I'd put it. I mean, it's, it's very enjoyable. It's not like the greatest movie ever, but this is, it's an, endlessly we rewatchable movie i can see myself rewatching yeah. this movie a lot and not getting annoyed with it that's fair okay you've convinced me i'm gonna give it seven out of ten chili dogs okay <laughs> all right uh, so um last thing is why don't you tell people where they can find your stuff absolutely um and if it actually makes more sense for you you can take what we did earlier and put it at the end uh if that functionally makes more sense uh but just in case uh you can find my comic oni girl on webtoon canvas uh if you just search o-n-i-g-i-r-l you'll be able to find it you can read up to chapter four um you'll notice that the earlier pages are in black and white that's because i used to draw them traditionally with ink on paper Uh and for the first few pages i used real screen tones um I really quickly learned that is very uh, unpractical and expensive, so I stopped doing that. And time-consuming, too, I'd imagine. And time-consuming, yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, But I am in the process of updating the artwork, uh, making it nicer, and I'm coloring all of the pages. Mm -hmm. But uh, as you, as a fellow comic artist, know... Uh, creating comics is incredibly time consuming Mm -hmm. and uh so people if they would like to support um the production and the printing of the first chapter in color they can find that on kickstarter until february 14th if they just search oni girl they'll be able to find it again that's Mm -hmm. o-n-i-g-i-r-l and uh yeah I would appreciate the support and I hope you enjoy reading it. Great. And uh, we'll have links to um, both the webtoons and the, um, uh, the Kickstarter in, in the show notes. You guys will be able to check all that stuff out. Uh, Lindsay, thanks so much for coming on. This is a fun conversation and um, have to have you come on again sometime. Absolutely. I would love to.
Okay. Uh, that does it for this episode of Superhero Cinephile. SuperheroCinephiles.com is the website. We are Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you sign up for the Patreon, uh, patreon.com, Super Cinema Pod, you get these episodes a week in advance. And you also get ex- access to the um, Patreon exclusive Superhero Cinephiles Book Club, where we talk about comics and graphic novels roughly about once a month or so. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Superhero Cinephiles, then you'll also love my companion podcast, the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club. All my Patreon subscribers get access to this exclusive podcast where I review superhero comics and graphic novels. Not sure what comics you want to read next or what you should dive into? I've got you covered on that. I'll be doing reviews, recommendations, and also talking to you about useful entry points if you're interested in reading some comics but don't know where you should start. Plus, you'll get access to all episodes of the main show a week before everyone else. On all of this, for as little as just a dollar a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash supercinemapod, and you can sign up at any subscription amount to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.